Hey friends, this is Jesse Phillips. I'm the founder of Hill City Recording, and you are listening to the Hill City Recording Podcast. I am back here with James Colton Price (laughs) for part two. Uh, Excited to have Colton back. I introduced him last time, so if you don't, uh, if you didn't listen to that episode, go back and listen to that episode before this. There's, there's a lot of fun little nuggets that he dropped uh, about songwriting in the last one. And this one is going to be less about songwriting. So Colton's been in the the music industry, uh, for several years. I mean, realistically you could point back, uh, over a decade of time in the music industry. Um, but he'll be kind of our guide through these uh, curious waters, uh, so to speak, about what the Christian music industry is. Um, before we dive into the episode, though, Colton, uh, we've we've been talking a little bit about uh, movies we like, books, stuff yeah. like that, and Harry Potter has come up. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that uh, Colton's a big Harry Potter head. Um, I am. And I, I'm just curious, uh, maybe this will help me get to know you better. <laughs> What house would you be sorted into uh, with a sorting hat? If you're not into Harry Potter, I'm so sorry for this first few minutes. (laughs) Actually, quick anecdote. My parents took away my first three Harry Potter books when I was young, uh, because that was back in the day when it was like, this is witchcraft and it won't be in our home. So sorry, mom and dad. It it is literally about witchcraft. (laughs) Oh, it is, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the literal, uh, he is a a wizard, Harry, uh, from the very beginning. You know, but Gandalf is a wizard. Yeah, yeah. He's Uh, allowed. Oh, no. We're on the same team here. (laughs) I just wanted to let you know, in case you didn't realize that it was about witches. (laughs) What? That actually is in in the books. (laughs) Hogwarts isn't just a private school. (laughs) There's a lot of of witchcraft and wizardry going on oh man but uh so for those that might not know uh there's a sorting hat there are four houses and the sorting hat when you enter into the school sorts you into a house based on your your personality who you are yeah each of the houses represent different things so yeah uh i'm just curious what your your house would be okay um i think there is no other option than gryffindor and I know that's like... That's a Gryffindor answer. (laughs) I know. It's like so towing the line. But I will say, I've been... (laughs) I feel so nerdy even saying this. I've been playing (laughs) the Harry Potter app on my phone. Yes, you have. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I chose Slytherin. You chose Slytherin. Yeah, because it was like, you can... uh, Which house do you want to be in? Yeah. I was like, I think I want to be a Slytherin. So maybe there's a dark side to me that is wow well maybe we'll find more of that that slytherin side yeah um so i am a slytherin oh through and through do you speak parcel tongue i do (laughs) everybody listening right now is like what is going on i actually do speak parcel tongue no uh from the very beginning of the books when um you know slytherin won the house cup thing you know like they're giving out all the points at the the final the final scenes of the movie or even in the book, like I read the book first, but um, like then Gryffindor comes along and are just awarded these random points to take the lead and win. I felt so like, I felt like no justice. There's no justice in that. Like Gryffindor did not win. That was Slytherin. They had been grinding the whole year <laughs> and it was just taken away from them yeah to be fair dumbledore awarded those points because of bravery and all that other stuff this is this is no listener left behind 
<laughs> You've been listening to a history of Hogwarts on the Hill City podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So anyway, I, I'm a Slytherin through and through. I knew it before I took the test. I took the test on Pottermore or whatever. And I was like, you're a Slytherin. I was like, I know I didn't have to take that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's interesting that you would choose. I would not have, uh, I, th- I would think Gryffindor would be your, your house. I'm actually trying to uh, tap into my Hufflepuff. Yeah. My inner Hufflepuff. Um, anyway, we can get off of this, yeah. <laughs> this topic. I just, I thought it was interesting. Um, yeah. It is unfortunate in the movies. This can be the last thing and then we can move on to like things that actually matter. <laughs> um, it is interesting in the movies and I understand why, you know, every movie is not nearly as good as the book, but they basically for all intents and purposes leave out the other two houses. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because, there's just a lot of character and story development that goes around there. Um, anyway, we can move on. No, I love it. And if anyone listening is still with us, you're you're our people. So yeah. thank you for drop your favorite house in the comments. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> exactly. What house would you be? Um, so let's let's talk about the Christian music industry. Okay. Um, there's a lot of yeah. There's just a lot of perception around it. I think uh, there are things like. Um, you know, it's just a weird space because there's ministry that's brought to mind, business, uh, people's dreams, like hopes of fame, like all that is wrapped into uh, the music industry and Christian music industry mm-hmm. is a part of that. So um, would you maybe have a definition of what the Christian music industry even is? Yeah. Okay. So to me, I'm not the expert you know, I didn't invent the Christian music industry, but to me, the Christian music industry is the music industry that focuses on Christian topics. Yeah. And so what that means is really it's an entertainment business, um, but the entertainment is focused on a specific thing, that being Jesus and Christianity. So first off, you said ministry earlier. Mm-hmm. I think it does have ministry components, you know, because the gospel, everything that that deals with has ministerial components to it, but I don't think the number one purpose of the Christian music industry is ministry. I think the number one purpose is entertainment, Hmm. and then, like, the side benefit is ministry. And I could be totally wrong about that, and, you know, there's definitely... Um, artists and writers and producers, we all care about advancing the gospel. And that's the reason why we write the songs focused the way we do. But like I'm using air quotes, you know, the Christian music industry doesn't exist for ministry purposes. It exists to make money. So I think that's like an interesting maybe paradigm shift for some people because like uh, I'm I'm a signed writer at Sony Provident. They're not a church. They're a for-profit business, and they are a subsidiary business of Sony Music. And they have you know profit goals and different things that they have to hit, just like any other business would. Yeah. Um. So it's not the same as you know where we go, Church of the City, where the goal is to you know, create disciples and advance the gospel and do all those things. Those are just side benefits of the content of the 
songs that are being made, if that makes sense. And sorry yeah. if that was like a super long explanation, but no, I like this is a, a, a fascinating thing for me too, because I, I've had this perception of the music industry since I was a preteen, really, like seeing CDs in the stores and going to concerts and just thinking that all of these people that I'm seeing are millionaires. Like they've got to, mm-hmm. they've all got to be super rich cause they're, they're famous. They're playing on these stages. Uh, I remember even sitting in a, uh, like auditorium in Macon, Georgia for youth evangelism conference. And the band <laughs> that was playing was like, I'd never heard of that band before. Uh, but they were like doing worship songs and stuff. And I was like, man, like they've got to be, like just rolling in it, like money wise. I like, I want to, I want to do that with my life. I want to play music and lead worship and like make money doing it. And like come to find out that that, you know, like years and years of playing with these different artists who do these conferences. And a lot of these people pay to be on tours and festivals Mm -hmm. and, uh, they might not get paid a ton of money to actually play these conferences or these camps. Like, they might actually be paying to play the conference or the camp or <laughs> exactly. the tour. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's just a lot of these like misperceptions uh, that I had about what uh, the Christian industry or like Christian music industry looked like. And I think what you said was so, um, it, it was like devastating to me in a lot of ways when I was younger, thinking that the Christian music industry was about entertaining Christian people or with Christian subject matter. But the more and more I've been involved in it, the more I've seen that to be absolutely true. And that's not that it's wrong. Yeah. It's just like with any business, like if you're a Christian plumber, like your main objective with having that LLC or that business is to pay the bills and doing so you want to do it unto the Lord and have that as a part of what, what's going on. But inherently you're not like trying to fix someone's toilet so that you can say, Hey, uh, while I'm down here, can I, you know, tell you about Jesus? Uh, Also, there's an invoice coming. (laughs) It's, it's just like a weird thing. But, um, I think what you like your separation of that was really uh, a good way to articulate that. It's uh, it's just like the music industry; it's entertainment, but with the topic, right? Uh, you know about Christian things, and hopefully, you know, yeah, people are ministry minded as they're going about it, but right? Inherently, it is not a ministry. So, I mean, maybe maybe this kind of leans into that next question that I have here on my sheet: like, how is your involvement? in in the industry kind of like shift shifted your paradigm and even like grown your perception of what the Christian music industry is. Yeah. Man, okay, so um I was honestly a little bit nervous when we decided to make the leap because I was going you know internally thinking, man, I hope that these people are actually legitimate. And what I mean by that is they actually care about Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not living double lives. Cause I'm sure you've heard those stories and I'm sure listeners on the podcast have heard stories of people that weren't all they were, you know, purporting to be. And so mm-hmm. I just didn't want to be disappointed. You know, um, I've been fortunate in the circles that I'm in to not have encountered that, you know? So, for me, I guess I was pleasantly surprised finding out like, okay, I actually go to church with a lot of the people I work with and those people are kind of leading the charge across the board in the industry. 
And I know that they are trying really hard to be God-honoring parents and husbands and wives and like they're actually trying to live a Christian life and they're not they're not just using the gospel to try to get big because they didn't make it in country music or whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, so, so that's been nice for me. Um, what else? I forgot the other, the second half of the question. No, how has it like grown your perception of what the industry is like based oh. on your involvement in it? So I guess like even saying that there are people that you've seen, it's, it's grown your, um, I guess, appreciation for the people that work in it because they're actually legit versus, yeah. you know, yeah. phonies. But Yeah. Um, so the other thing that's changed for me, or the biggest thing that's changed for me is the further clarity of the business aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is fun. You know, it's nice to get paid to basically just make stuff up. But at the end of the day, it is still like, oh my gosh, we got to make money here. Yeah. Um, so that that was kind of eye-opening. Like, that's why there's the competition. Um, and what I mean is like, uh, you know, everybody's just like trying to get that number one cut. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because we all got to, <laughs> you know, put food on the table. and all that. I know that's, you know, well, well duh, everybody's got to eat, but just realizing it's not just a bunch of people sitting around in a studio goofing off while that does happen. That's not just what it is. I mean, people are working really hard. Yeah. And it's kind of, I worked in a church for 10 years before I came here. It's kind of like a church job where you don't really have hours. (laughs) You're just working all the time and Mm -hmm. you know, you, you build in margin where you can. Um, but the interesting thing is, from from my side of it, so the songwriter producer side of it, I thought coming into it when I signed a pub deal that I was joining a team and they were gonna like tell me what they needed me to do, kind of like the traditional work model mm-hmm. where you know they're the boss and I'm the employee. But the difference is, and I only really just kind of locked this in recently, they're on my team. So it's still basically my business. Um, you know, Colton Price Music is what is on all my invoices and everything, but it's not my job to accomplish their goals. Mm-hmm. It's their job to help me accomplish my goals, which has been a big paradigm shift. That's huge, yeah. Yeah, because I, I just thought it was like, you know, I thought I was just doing the bidding of essential and realizing, no, they saw something worth trying to help grow. And so basically when we entered into an agreement together, it was them saying, we want to help you grow what you're doing. Um, Mm. So that was like the biggest, the biggest change, I think. Yeah. Hopefully that's helpful. Yeah. I think there's a lot of uh, paradigm shifting (laughs) that you go under when you start working in this industry because I think I think maybe at every turn there's been something new for me to learn, hmm. uh, whether that's songwriting or producing or um, just the way things are done and the way that different um, people handle those things. So we were talking before we hit record about um, how you know it's it's kind of sad to think that 
Christian music industry stuff is not based in ministry. It's there are certainly ministry that happens. Um, but like there's a very clear delineation between someone who's in it to leverage the name of Jesus to make money and Mm -hmm. someone who cares about Jesus and wants to, to write more about him and tell others about him that, that make their money with that. Like it's a very, but they can be involved in the same song. (laughs) And oftentimes when an artist cuts a song, there are people on both sides of that spectrum that are promoting that song and getting it out there. Right. Uh, So, and and not to say that every Christian song has something negative attached to it, but there's a lot of people that know that they can make money with a market that really wants that. Um, But on the other side of it, there are a lot of people who really want to get the message out there and what a blessing to be able to do that. Yeah. um, And make a living, you know? So, yeah, I will say, I think, you know, the subgenre of, of church music, mm-hmm. uh, for instance, you know, Elevation or whatever, Bethel, I think that is probably more ministry focused, mm-hmm. or at least maybe in their inceptions they were, because all of those types of things came out of them writing songs for their church, Yeah, and then just happened to go outside their four walls. So I think kind of by default, that does have a little more like ministry-minded I think what's interesting, though, is as you grow and scale, then I think that ministry component might kind of take a backseat, potentially. I could be totally wrong. I'm not in those camps. I just have to reason, well, we made a million dollars last year. How are we going to make $2 million this year? Yeah. Like, I've got to think that's got to be a part of it, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, I've been in those meetings where... Yeah you have a budget and you have people that you're paying a salary to and you have a team of people that are are in charge of marketing certain things so it's like yeah you've got to you've got to make money you've got to figure out ways to do that at least recoup the investment exactly yeah. yeah and a lot of times it is church music it is worship music that's being um pushed out there and have to have to recoup on and pay a salary for everybody and so yeah yeah it's that part of it is not necessarily inherently ministry oriented, but the, the creation of those songs to serve uh, a certain uh, market, whether it's uh, churchgoers or, or whatever, and ultimately, hopefully, to, to honor God and the things that we're doing yeah. um, and to tell people about him. But yeah. I think that's an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. I think the heart behind the creators in the music in, in the Christian music industry Mm-hmm. is ministry. Mm-hmm. But the industry itself is not ministry. Yeah. And that's like a really fine line, but I think it's an important one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I could be wrong, but... that I mean, that sounds right to me. I mean, it is called the Christian music industry. And yeah. That, like, music ministry is, is a thing. Yeah. Like, it's a specific thing. But yeah. uh, the Christian music industry has the word industry in it, which implies that there's business and... yeah. All that stuff that that gets involved, which you know, the, I don't think it's amoral. It's amoral to me. It's not immoral or whatever or right. moral to do it. It's uh, the heart behind what you're trying to accomplish. And right, certainly there are some negatives to that, but there's also some people who are doing really amazing things with genuine hearts and making a lot of money doing it. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> praise God. Hope yeah. to be hope to be one of those people. Same, someday. Lord, let it be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I feel like 
with with kind of that grasp on Christian music industry um, and kind of like you were saying, you you own your own business. This is you are a business, and so you're trying to go out there and um, meet people, write with people, get yeah. cuts, and and all that. Uh, creativity and productivity seem like enemies. Like hmm. when you're when you're trying to be in this creative space, but you have to get stuff done, or if you have deadlines, hmm. it almost feels like those are counterintuitive to each other. But um, your, your schedule is so full of, of stuff to do. Yeah. And, um, even this morning we we're like trying to figure out times, time slots because there's potential things that are yeah. on the docket for the morning. So it's like, yeah. how do you find, um, creativity and productivity to be, uh, in your life, like in relation versus at odds? Hmm. Um, a mentor once said inspiration how did he say it? Inspiration is a product of design is basically what he said. I don't think that's exactly what he said, but what he meant is you have to sit down and choose to show up. And that's when inspiration happens. Mm -hmm. Um, because if you're waiting, if you're waiting to feel that, you know, ultimate inspiration and then you create, then you're just going to probably miss it. Um, so for me, I, I sit down, we're, we're in my studio right now. I sit down at this desk every day and whether I have an artist or a writer on the couch where you are, or whether it's me sitting here coming up with ideas or working on tracks, production, whatever it is, I treat it like a job where I have, as soon as the kids are out the door, I'm in the chair. As soon as the kids get home, I take a break, you know, and I do my family time. And then Usually I'll work some in the evenings, um, but it's really about choosing to search for the magic, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. instead of just like waiting for the magic to come upon me. Yeah. Um, and that could actually be another good uh, paradigm shift that I learned mm -hmm. um, is like when you don't do this all the time, then it's easy to just like wait until you have the perfect idea and then chase it. Yeah. The difference in doing it professionally is whether you have the perfect idea or not, you have to chase it down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully that's, is that kind of in the right direction? Yeah. And I think the, um, the, the tie in with the Christian music industry and this like, uh, merging of creativity and productivity for me is kind of like painting this picture of, you know, things, things have to be intentional and so in a Christian music industry, like creativity is, is a great thing to have. And I think a lot of people have that perception that like, oh, we just have these beautiful words from God that are just delivered to us that we write on paper and then churches get to sing that. And this is, you know, obviously hyperbole because like, I don't think anyone's sitting there literally thinking that, but I think there's, there's a little bit of a perception that that's the case. Like we sit there, we wait to be inspired and then hmm. it's a beautiful song that touches the world. And it's like, I think that what you're saying, uh, about choosing to show up to those spaces is actually like, um, this beautiful part of the industry where industry, uh, that has deadlines, that has mm. money goals, that has achievement that has to happen. And commerce has to take place in order for, you know, yeah. you to pay the bills, uh, to be a part of it. But, yeah. um, that create the creative side and the ministry side, uh, choosing to, 
to show up for that and having space uh, to do that and saying, you know, when, whenever the kids are at school right now is when I choose to do it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to write whether I'm inspired or not to show yeah. up and say like, God have your way in this. Um, that's, that's where a lot of the, the Christian side of the music industry I feel like is, um, not, I won't say undertapped because like, there's a lot of people doing that, but like, yeah, maybe, maybe people who are trying to enter into the Christian music industry don't realize how much intention and hard work it takes to say, yeah, I'm going to choose to create. Yeah. And, I yeah. think that's actually not even just the Christian industry. Mm-hmm. I think it's the music industry in general in, yeah. in a more broad sense. If if you're just writing a song a month or producing a song a month or whatever, you might be doing some really good stuff. But finding the inspiration becomes a lot easier and you can move a lot faster when you're doing it all the time and that's where the intentionality comes in. Mm-hmm. Um for instance, uh, like if you, <laughs> this is a silly example, but uh, on Instagram, I follow this carpenter guy that does uh, finished carpentry, like baseboards and trim and stuff like that. I follow a carpenter too. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, just kidding. But anyway, if I tried like, uh, so he had this, I, I just saw this video where there was like a, an outlet in in the way of where the baseboard needed to go. And so he came up with this really cool, like multi-angled cutout where he like ripped off the top portion of the trim, angled it around, did like this reverse thing and then cut it out and then jigged it all back together. And it looked amazing. Okay, if I did that, I could probably figure it out and I could probably make it look awesome, but it would take me forever to do because I'm not, versed in you know finding those angles and you know figuring out how to put it all together whereas he probably did it in a couple of hours and i think songwriting and production and anything in the music industry in general christian or not is the same way where you know how to get to a great hook faster if you spent you know, the last year intentionally going after trying to find great hooks all the time mm-hmm. instead of once a month you went hey, that's a good idea. I'm going to try to find that. And then you spent maybe eight hours that one time or whatever on that one idea. Um, so anyway, the whole point is the intentionality is so that you can get to the greatness faster and you're not having to like spin your wheels, you know, trying to figure out the path. Yeah. Because you've already been down the path, you know, a hundred times or whatever it is. Total. And like the carpenter has those tools available. Exactly. Versus having to go to Home Depot every time you have something pop up, you're like, oh, that's cool. Well, now I have to go buy the thing to make the thing. It's like, exactly. As you, as you learn and as you do this more and more, I mean, over years and years of buying plugins and, you know, sounds and having folders with different, different inspirational things in them, it's like, yeah, now writing a song, it doesn't seem as daunting. Right. Or creating, like doing a production, like, we've done it enough to know, well, let, let's have some starting places here. <laughs> and like, yeah. we know kind of where we can go with those things. So that's, yeah. that's a great word. Like even getting to the thing yeah. faster, not that anyone can't do it, uh, you know, 
without having those tools, but right. just, yeah, it would take a long time for me, especially like, since I don't have any tools to, yeah. to do wood cutting, uh, <laughs> like that would take a long time. Yeah. So in the same way with music, I mean, production, songwriting, whatever it is, just start maybe building out those tools what, what, what do you need? And showing up to those spaces to think about it even every day. I, I know a lot of people work and have like full-time jobs and families and, it's hard to like find time to, to dig into that stuff. But, but even in that, if you're spending like an hour or two hours, so my kids go to bed at eight. Mm -hmm. If I had a normal job, not, you know what I mean? Yeah. A W2 job. (laughs) Yeah. But I really wanted to make music semi-professionally. Then what I would do is I would set my alarm for four or 5 AM and I would get up and I would idea generate. And then I would go throughout my day and then when my kids go to bed, I would spend a little bit of time with my wife and then I'd spend one or two hours that night trying to flesh out that idea. So it's not that you have to spend eight to 10 hours a day working on it. Mm-hmm. One to two to four hours of consistent every day. It's just like working out. Yeah. You're not going to build muscles, you know, by going to the gym once a month. Yeah, it has to be every day. Like me. Unless you get to the gym. <laughs> yeah. Thor, God of Thunder. Every, <laughs> every single day. <laughs> I'm so excited here in season two that we're able to feature some ads from my friends and their businesses. So check them out. And if you want to run an ad in the future, email me at hillcityrecording at gmail.com and we'll set that up. Before we jump into the ads, I would love to shout out a couple things I've got going on. One is a playlist submission form. So if you're looking to submit your song to a playlist, check out jessedeanrivero.com slash playlist dash submissions. And I've got a form there you can fill out and I'll consider it for one of my playlists. Also, I just released a Patreon for Hill City Recording. So if you care about the writing, recording, and releasing of good Christian music, that is a good spot to check out to help support it. So uh, that is patreon.com slash hillcityrecording. Check it out. Hey everybody, this is Dave Gill from Musicville. We are a brand new music store and lesson studio here in Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, We offer top level lesson programs for all kinds of instruments, guitar, piano, voice, drums, bass, and violin, as well as musical instruments and accessories for both beginners and pros. We carry amazing brands like Duesenberg Guitars, Franklin Drums, Vox Amps, String Joy, and our goal really is to be a one-stop shop for all your musical needs here in Williamson. County. And for all Hill City recording subscribers, we are offering two free music lessons. Just use the promo code Hill City at our website or call 615-614-3411 to register. For more information, check us out at musicville.com. Hey everyone, this is Ashley Dasher of Dasher Watch Company. My wife and I, Tabitha, recently launched our brand and we have our first watch out that was designed right here in Nashville, Tennessee called the Linden Chronograph. Wanted to let you know that you can check it out at DasherWatchCo.com and you can follow us on Instagram at DasherWatchCo. And if you have any questions, shoot us an email. We're so excited to bring a heritage-inspired watch back into the market and you wind this thing up. You go, you live your life. So we hope that you'll check it out. It was a blast to be on one of the episodes this season. I hope you're able to check that out as well. Send us any questions if you have any, and we'll see you out there. 
Hey everyone, what's up? My name is David Andrea, founder of the Nashville Worship Nights. We are a gathering of many different churches from all areas around Nashville with a vision to unite our city and to have a global impact. We do this by focusing on the power of biblical gospel-centered truth, worship, and community. As we gather to connect the church, our ultimate vision is to love God and love people, unite the church, and point people to Jesus. We meet monthly to worship, grow community, and seek the kingdom of God together. To extend our gatherings, we meet in city hangout groups all around the city to disciple and build friendships. Our hope is that as the gospel is shared, its power will shape you and lead you as you encounter the living God. For more information, check out our website, nashvilleworshipnights.com or just our Instagram page at Nashville Worship Nights. We can't wait to see you at a future gathering. So that's that's a good thing you brought up, idea generation. Like, what does that look like? So say I wake up at five in the morning, like mm. what does it look like to do that? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> um, that has the most nebulous answer I think possible. And it's just like, just sitting down to come up with ideas. Yeah. And I'm sure that's not the answer that anybody was looking for. <laughs> but um, a, a, a past mentor of mine used to have this thing where if like he was just stuck, he just had dice and he would roll the dice and whatever numbers came up is the chords that he would use. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And And part of that was just an exercise to see, can I do something with this? Yeah. But another another of it is like, we're all limited, you know, and, and so then idea generation is just sitting down going like, what's okay. So for me specifically, when I'm thinking about ideas, it's what do I need to hear for myself? What, what is the Lord teaching me? What is something that would comfort my soul? What's, what's, um, I don't know, what's something I want to tell my kids and it's just sitting down and then either coming up with titles, like what would good song titles be for that? Or how, uh, if I want to write a song to my kids about, you know, don't, you know, when you grow up, I hope you become decent people. Okay, well, what's a melody that makes me feel the way that that song would make me feel? And so then I just start humming or playing on the piano or guitar or whatever and try to come up with like, what is that? feel like and then maybe try to wrap some lyrics around it or you know whatever I don't think there's any one process for getting there but it's basically you know that a song has a title it has lyrics and it has melody and then a chord structures are to support all of that stuff mm-hmm. so just start in any of those categories and make a list of titles or you know whatever yeah so if in that example Maybe your 5 a.m. idea generation is I'm going to write down 10 song titles of things that seem like compelling ideas. And then your thing that night is of those 10 song titles, what's the most compelling idea? And can I get a lyric and melody of a chorus that feels like it would amplify that song title really well? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe that's like a possible way to do it. Yeah. For me, organization is such a big thing because I I feel like I have ideas all the time and like 
I know not everyone is an idea person. A lot of people like are really great at executing and they just need the sure. idea to go off of. Um, Which is why co-writing is important, I think. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, it, different strengths and all with different people are really helpful. Uh, for me, organization and having a space to show up to is really important. So having my Google Docs and my Apple Notes, I, when I yeah. when I write down uh, ideas, I'm always in Apple Notes. Like I, I have thousands and thousands i actually have tens of thousands of apple notes where throughout the day I'll, I'll have like an idea and i'll just throw it into an apple note and so at the end of the the day i have four or five apple notes every day of things that i've just thought about but i know that that's a space for me like i know right. my apple notes i know where that is on my phone and i know that like when i have an idea i can just throw it in there real quick yeah that I can come back to later. So if I'm in a songwriter or something yep. and someone says something about, you know, a random thought I had during the day, I'm like, I actually, I thought about that and it's so easy to search. You just hit the search bar and like yep. type in the word. And all of a sudden all these notes pop up with these different things that I've thought of over years of time. Sure. And so for me, organization is one of those things that helps with the ideation. Um, and then like even thinking about uh, in that example of like creating song titles and stuff, yeah. I think having a good prompt for yourself every day, uh, if you're, if you're looking to, to get creative and um, find the, the cracks of your, <laughs> of your life to go into it, finding that prompt where you might get up at 5am, uh, but you might have 10 minutes uh, in your lunch break to, just sit back and, and think about some stuff and sure. whatever that time frame looks like. I think if you're trying to, to break into the music industry, it's definitely like the more time, the better for, for that kind of stuff. But yeah, if you're just trying to exercise these muscles, definitely come up with a prompt, whether it's song titles or whatever, um, and have a space to, to put those things, uh, which I guess it kind of brings me into this next, um, you know, the advice section, so to speak. Mm. Um, we've been talking about the Christian music industry and yep. uh, even uh, intentionality with creativity and uh, productivity, all that kind of stuff. Um, do you have any sort of like practical advice about like even setting expectation for yourself as you're, um, you know, mm. writing songs and trying to enter into the industry? Yeah. The first thing that came to mind is not specifically to your question, but the reality is you don't have to be an artist to be in the Christian music industry. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe there's people who are like, I just want to help artists. Well, labels have, you know, tons of positions where they have accountants and marketing managers and social media managers. And, you know, like there's other like practical jobs that are a part of the industry that are like artist adjacent mm -hmm. that are really, really important, you know, cause there's, there's a whole team of people. I'll call her out. Andy Rankins is the bomb <laughs> where her entire job is to scour the world, I guess, for like, where are these songs getting played and sung and making sure that all of the royalties and monies owed are collected and then distributed to the right people. And it's like, I don't care anything about that, but Andy does, and she's awesome at it, you know? So maybe there's a, somebody listening to this that's like, well, I don't really write songs, but I want to help people that write songs. Well, those are just as important, mm -hmm. you know, to the industry as a whole. 
in, you know, like we said earlier, making money. But for an artist, let's say, you know, you're, you're writing songs and you feel like you have something special that, that maybe a broader audience than just your community could benefit from. So I guess that's what you're really asking is what are the practical steps for like that type of person to join into the industry? Yeah. Some jumping off points or expectations that you can set maybe. I don't know. Yeah. So I would say the first expectation would be don't expect the doors to fling wide open just because you moved to town. That's fair. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's a marathon, not a sprint. Sounds like a dumb, uh, sounds like a dumb, you know, what do they call it? Trope or colloquialism or something like that. But the reality is there's so many people that come here that it takes a while for you to find, you know, your circle and the relationships where you're going to bloom the most. So the first piece of advice is if you feel like a career making Christian music is for you, then plan on it to take longer than you probably think. Um, it's kind of like building a fire, gather more wood than you think you're going to need, you know? Mm-hmm. And all of that equates to write more songs than you think you're going to need to have written. Um, practice more than you think you need to practice. You know, it's like everybody here is so amazing. You can't just be mediocre. You know, you can't just kind of be good at guitar. You have to be really good at at guitar. Yeah. And even then, like people are going to choose their friend who's really, really good at guitar versus a stranger who's really, really good at guitar. So it takes a while to make friendships and meet people. So, But I think the hardest part about that is not making friends. And sorry, I'm pointing at you. (laughs) (laughs) Not making friends. (laughs) No, no. The hardest part is making friends purely because you want to know the person, not Mm -hmm. because of what they can give you. Yeah. Because if if somebody were were to come to me today, I can tell immediately if they just want to know me for what I can, for what doors I can open for them. Mm Mm-hmm. And right or wrong, I don't want to be your friend for that. Nobody wants to be used. Yeah. So expect to make friends purely to be friends with people and not for anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a book by a guy named Mark Maxwell called Networking Kills. And, it, and on the front of the cover, it's like the S. It's It says networking skills, but like the S is, is crossed out. <laughs> And I think that's actually would be a good read for anybody that's maybe considering a move here. Uh, Mark's a, a entertainment attorney specifically in Christian music. He has other artists, but like his his main thing is Christian music. And so he knows this industry really well. And he just breaks down kind of that idea of networking, but not in like the traditional sense where it's in in a business, you're like, I need into your business units you know, introduce me to who can help me with that and then we'll move on and that's it. That's just not the way it works in the music industry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a huge lesson to learn. Like one of the biggest things that I think I've held on to moving to Nashville is it takes time and I can't set an expectation to 
have a seat at the table without actually genuinely plugging myself into a community. Mm-hmm. Just like if someone came into my church when I was in Virginia and they just moved to town just to play at our church, it would feel super weird. And so it's like the same kind of thing. You you know, they might leave in a year, but like if I'm here and I'm just growing roots and I'm being plugged into a community and having friends and having relationships, that's what's going to be my best friend moving forward in the industry. It's yeah. like my my friends who need something that know me are like, oh yeah, Jesse does such and such. Like right. in a funny way. I started doing some Pokemon card stuff on the side. I, I've told you this, but my audience definitely does not know this. <laughs> um, I've been streaming for uh, a friend of mine who uh, has like a card company um, and just been opening Pokemon cards for him on live streams. It's a very confusing thing. We can talk more about that <laughs> in the future, but it's like uh, uh, one of our, our mutual friends, he just, he opened a studio not long ago and, um, he uh he's like talking about pokemon and how he wanted to like get some pokemon cards and he knew that i did that and so he's like can you tell me about whatever but it's like in a different way that's not having anything to do with music sure he just knows me and we work together with music all the time but there was something that he was interested in and he knew that i knew about and so he comes to me to ask about pokemon but in the same way with music if you know someone and you're just genuine friends with that person And they're like, oh, Jesse plays bass or, you know, Colton plays drums or keys or whatever. Like, and I need someone to do that. I'm going to call him. Like, that's how years and years of friendship, like, pays off in a career. But it's also like you also have that friendship and a community of people that can support you and know you, um, which is ultimately like the the biggest uh way to maintain a career in Nashville. It's like yeah. just being plugged into a community. And uh yeah. Yeah, I think all all that you said was like super, super helpful. Yeah. Like um I will say the biggest quote unquote breaks I've had came from having established relationships where they knew what I did, but I wasn't like, hey bro, I need a, you know, gig for this, that and the other. But it was just like they were aware of what I did, but we were just doing life together. Yeah. And then their number one call fell through for whatever reason. And they went, Hey, Colton does that. And we've talked about that. Why don't I give him a shot? And then the biggest thing is being able to deliver when you're called, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So don't, uh, don't say you can't do things that you can't do. Or if you do make sure that you figure out how to do it real quick. (laughs) Wow. That is honestly, that's, that is the hidden gem that I did not expect to be in this podcast. What's that? Like, just don't say that you do something that you don't do. Because I think a lot of times in the Christian music industry, people need to to be a certain way, or they feel the need to be a certain way. Hmm. Like, I produce, and I write songs, and I play guitar, and I play all the instruments. So it's like, okay, when push comes to shove, if someone comes to you and is like, you produce, right? and you've never produced anything other than like a demo or something. And they're like, we need to actually have a production done for a big artist. Like, do you know, do you know how to align a guitar? And that's all we're asking for. Like you produce, so you, you should know. And so if you don't know how to do that, all of a sudden, like you just, you become cut off from that opportunity moving forward. And so if you have never written a song and you call yourself a songwriter or you've never 
really played keys with anybody <laughs> and you're, yeah. you, you just know a little bit, but you're kind of like trying to fluff up your resume, that stuff will come back to haunt you. Absolutely. And, uh, I've seen it in multiple, multiple people where even I reach out to them for help with when I'm editing and stuff. And I'm like, I've got some stuff. I know you do production. Would you want to do this? And then they're like, uh, yeah, let me, let me figure it out or let me download pro tools or yeah. whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, gotcha. So you don't actually do this. I actually think that's why people here are so wary of trying new pe trying new people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we've all been burned by that. Yeah. And we've just learned to, to continually go back to the trusted sources, which all of us do in every yeah. aspect of life, but it's no different in music. Um, but that's why, yeah, it's really important to be really good at what it is you say you do. Mm -hmm. I will say anecdotally, when I very first moved here, I hadn't learned that lesson yet. <laughs> nice. And um, there was somebody that I was really interested in meeting. I had been trying to get a hold of them for a while. I happened to see them in a place where we both were, and we connected. And they said, hey, you tune vocals, right? And for whatever reason, <laughs> I said, yep. <laughs> and at the time, I had never tuned a vocal in my entire life. Wow. And <laughs> you want to talk about stress and uh, anxiety. That was the dumbest thing I could have ever said. Because <laughs> it was like a legitimate record yeah. that this person needed help on and um, I will say this particular story turned out well. I freaking crushed it. <laughs> wow. But that is not the normal. I would say don't do that. For sure. Well, I think there's a little bit of a difference too in like your skill set and the tools that you have around you where you've edited enough stuff and you've been around the stuff where it's like it's not that big of a stretch. You won't have to go out and buy a daw yeah or buy, like <laughs> that's that is a great point yeah. i did have the skill set necessary so i think that's probably why i felt okay saying like yeah i could do that yeah because i wasn't learning from the ground up totally like if you if you shred and you know how to shred and someone's like hey you play guitar but you haven't played with anybody it's like yeah i know how to shred <laughs> so it's like yeah it still works even though you haven't played with anyone that they would know or whatever but yeah it is. Yeah. I, I get that though. Like <laughs> it's a, it's a fine line, but if you, but it, 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 that's a great point though. You might be an awesome shredder, but you've never played uh country music, mm. chicken picking. Yeah. Well, don't tell somebody that you're an awesome chicken picker. True. Tell them what you can do and tell them you're willing to learn or whatever. Um, but I would rather have somebody tell me, no, that's actually not my thing. Mm -hmm. then we get into it, waste time and money, and then figure out, oh, wait, I still have to go find somebody else to do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. Especially with the industry having so many deadlines and right. things that you're pushing up against. That it's, It really is like there's not a ton of time that can be wasted with a lot of these these things, which even, you know, I brought it up earlier, but like having someone that told me they could edit and me sending something to them and not getting anything back. It's, it's sometimes that's, <laughs> that's that a, is the worst. Yeah. It's a tough, it's a tough thing. Cause you don't want to burn a bridge or whatever, but at the right. same time you're like, 
you just straight up lied to me that you could do this. And yeah. So that's, that's a, it stinks for both of us. Cause yeah. now I have to scramble twice as hard to figure out how to make this happen. And yeah. But anyway, yeah, I, there's so many things I feel like, uh, if you're, if you're listening to this, I know we'll, we'll link, uh, Colton's links in the show notes below so you can go check him out. But, um, he has a well of information and just, uh, I appreciate you Colton and your, your heart for the industry, uh, like your ministry heart that's in the industry, mm. but also just the, the knowledge that you have that you're willing to share with, with us. And, um, thanks for coming on the podcast again. And yeah, man, dude, thank you for having me. I love of course chatting. Yeah. I wish <laughs> there's a part of me. that's like, Hey, we should do this once a week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just fun to like shoot the breeze and yeah, you know, hopefully it was, it was nice to hear you say we were talking offline before we started on this and it was cool to hear people like actually got something from the last one. And yeah. it's like, that's all I really want to do is help point people in the right direction and hopefully, you know, learn from my mistakes and, you know, if there's something where it's, I mean, I don't know if people comment on this kind of thing or whatever, but it'd be awesome to have like specific feedback even where it's yeah. like, Oh, what, what's this specific thing that I need to help with? And yeah, I you think know. on Spotify, you can comment on things now. Yeah. Um, or even just find me on Instagram or whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm happy to, I'm not the fastest responder, but you know, happy to help out and answer any questions. Yeah. Cause I know a forum like this can be kind of vague and overarching is like the industry in general, but yeah. oh man, Colton, I have this specific question about XYZ, you know, I'm on Instagram once every three months, so <laughs> leave it in there and I'll find it when I get Once a quarter, you might hear from Colton, but <laughs> he'll respond. There's no no uh, guarantee on how fast, but we'll see. But see you next year. Thank you. Thank you for uh, coming on the podcast, Colton. Maybe maybe we just started our, our weekly podcast. Maybe this is a soft <laughs> launch of that. We'll yeah. see. Title to be, to be named later on. Yeah. But... Appreciate you. We'll catch you next time. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a fantastic day. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of the Hill City Recording Podcast. It would mean a ton if you just took a second to leave a review or a comment wherever you're listening to this podcast. Also, if you care about the writing, recording, and releasing of good Christian music, I've got a place for you to support it. Go to patreon.com slash hillcityrecording, and there are multiple tiers of membership you can get into with different rewards for each tier. But again, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time.